Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Often these, I call them snapbacks because baby dykes isn't a thing anymore. And they have like flat iron hair and a snapback on. Yeah, you know what oh, I'm yeah. talking about. Yes. They're, the, they're the new baby dykes. I know. And they're the, exactly who you're so talking about. Of course, we should all call the worst. them that. We should. Snapbacks. <laughs> it's a it. thing. Yeah. I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that recognizes Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde as a lesbian relationship. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we are diking out with bartender and dyke bar manager Joe McDaniel about dyke bars. Yes, we are. And speaking about dyke bars, Melody, have you heard about dyke beer? I've seen some rumblings on Instagram about dyke beer. Yes, I'm so excited about this. So uh, two dykes in Brooklyn, including one past guest of the pod who happens to have had our most downloaded episode of 2020, and that was our lesbian stereotypes episode. Our last in-person recording. They are launching Dyke Beer, and of course, it's not just beer. It's beer with a purpose. That's what makes it Dyke Beer. (laughs) Yeah, they already do so much for the community, and this is just their latest effort to bring awareness to our lost Dyke spaces and to help save our current Dyke bars, which still need so much help because the pandemic, guess what? It's only getting worse and worse. So we need uh, to keep supporting these spaces. It's an American saison brewed with pale malt, white wheat, and oats. They'll be having a soft launch event at the Wild East Brewery in Brooklyn. So for any of our New Yorkers on January 15th, bring your mask. It's from 5 to 9 p.m. Stop by. You can meet the founders, Sarah and Loretta, and follow them online at Dyke Beer on Instagram, and you can learn more about what they're doing. Uh, I was so excited when I saw that they were doing this, and I can't wait to try it. Let me tell you, beer has been getting me through uh, this very exciting 2021. This this last year we had this last week, I've been drinking right. beer too. <laughs> this was seriously the longest week of my life. I really, ever. I can't get over it. <laughs> yeah. I double checked, I triple checked throughout the week. No, I thought I was wrong. I was like, I, maybe it's been two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because my birthday's on January 4th. First, and I'm like, that feels like a month ago. Mm-hmm. That feels like a month ago. Anyway, if you're looking for community in the years long weeks ahead, <laughs> we yeah. have a Patreon for that. Remember, you can get ad free episodes over there for $15 a month. For $10 a month, you can join our patrons only Facebook group community. You can also get access to virtual hangouts for the 20 dollars a month price point over at patreon.com slash diking out. We actually have a Patreon hangout coming up soon. The next one. Yes. 
Yes. So if you sign up before January 23rd, then you get to be a part of it. And those are always so much fun. I'm looking forward to it. It feels like the last time I socialized was that last hang. And I can't wait to see more of your faces. We'll give more of a heads up <laughs> in right. the days leading up to it. I know we had some people in this out last time. You know, last time I was running from the new house uh, and like driving furiously back to Queens to make the... Uh, the hangout and I forgot all of the gossip I wanted to talk about. So there's some behind the scenes taking out gossip that just like, like about some past recordings, fun stuff that Melody and I have been sitting on yeah. and would just love to tell some of our listeners about. And <laughs> so that, that will be revealed January 23rd. Yeah. Sometimes you listen, and you think this sounds, this feels weird and you can go over to Patreon and join a hangout and we'll tell you exactly why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be a lighthearted week where we all just admire the relationship that is Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde. They had a lot of, Harry Style stands upset, but I don't know. I think the lesbians approve of this pairing. It feels just very gay. Uh, I don't know. This feels like a bipan win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am for it. Uh, two of my crushes together. The Harry Styles community, why are they upset? Because she's Because not he's a off teenager? the market for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love together. that he goes for older women. Mm -hmm. He just keeps getting better. The more that is revealed, I love him more and more. This made me love him more to see that yes. he's dating someone 10 years his senior. I also love that he doesn't identify as queer, that he's been asked about it because I'm like, is he? Is this something that I'm just like unaware of? But he's like, hey, I just think that this aesthetic is really cool and I like the way I feel in it. And I'm pretty sure I'm not queer, but you know, yeah. and I'm like, good for you, Harry. Good for you for being like the most secure in your masculinity that you can like really just kill it with lace and pearls and <laughs> nails and just sex appeal. I love Harry Styles. Really? <laughs> Me too. Me too. I haven't come across a picture of Harry Styles that I do not enjoy. <laughs> Every time we ask our guests on our patrons only interview lightning round questions, who their favorite opposite sex crushes, Harry Styles is the popular answer amongst lesbians. We've done it the is. research. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always shocked when it's not Harry Styles. I'm just like, I think we eliminated the question because it's like, obviously, it's going to be because Harry Styles for everybody. <laughs> Harry or Timothy Chalamet. And Olivia Wilde, just because of shit, what's the name of that movie? <laughs> the OC. Um, <laughs> the movie with the, the fingering the butthole one that you related to. <laughs> Book smart. Book smart. <laughs> I wish that yeah. would be <laughs> the finger in the bottom. Um, <laughs> Book smart. That's the movie. Yeah. yeah. Between Book Smart and Olivia Wilde's role on the OC, she has honorary queer status. Mm -hmm. I approve. I approve of this ship. I'm sure they care. <laughs> what else is going on? Oh man, what else is going on? <laughs> Besides the obvious, I know. <laughs> I guess we'll get we will definitely get to it in the interview, but right. I I don't know 
who else is watching, but I'm definitely watching this season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, Welcome Escape to kick off 2021. And this season we have our first female to male trans drag race contestant, Gottmik. Ooh. So cool. Like, just to transition from female to male and then do drag. Yeah. As female. Like, there's obviously... It's complicated, and this last episode, we um, got to witness Gottmik um, coming out to the castmates. Uh, first, via song, one of their first challenges was to um, introduce yourself, and they did this group musical number where they each got a chance to do a verse, and Gottmik uh, started their verse out by being like, born a girl, um, <laughs> and it did kind of go over some of their heads later in the right. workroom, uh, Gottmik had uh, got to come out to them formally. And they really talked about it in the Untucked episode, which is like the kind of behind the scenes episode that airs after Drag Race. But I still, it's called Untucked. <laughs> untucked. Yeah. How did I not know this? Because I don't watch Drag Race. That's probably why. If you're not watching Untucked, you're only getting half the story. That's the promo. Um, <laughs> which you should be doing. That was great. Thank <laughs> that you. great. It made me want to watch. <laughs> um, but I really am a fan of Gottmik's style, and it's really cool to witness. And I just wanted to highlight it in case anyone who's watching wants to, I don't know, watch along with me on Fridays. I'm watching so much live television this past year, it's wild. And <laughs> I've mentioned shows before and had like people reach out like, are you watching? So that's fun and makes me feel less alone. You know, speaking of live watching, something that we live watched together, Melody, and did not plan was The Bachelor. <laughs> I was so floored to get that text from you. <laughs> it was my first time watching like a full episode of The Bachelor, though I was also kind of editing while I was watching, so I wasn't fully, fully engaged. You know, still at the hotel, was looking for something to put on in, in the background, and I saw that The Bachelor was on, and then saw that it was the the Black Bachelor. Mm-hmm. First Black male First Black Bachelor. bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. And we just concluded our second Black Bachelorette. I know because I thought I thought the Black Bachelor had already happened because yeah. I thought that there was talk of it. That was Rachel Lindsay for years. Uh, the first okay. Black Bachelorette. Okay, so it was Bachelorette. Got it. Yeah, I also saw that it was going to be the first episode, and I know that that's the one that has women making fools of themselves, the which most. is normally why I don't want to watch The Bachelor. It just It's so cringeworthy and makes me feel mm -hmm. so sad mm -hmm. that... <laughs> It's just like the worst representation for for straight women. It's so horrible, and it, it did not it did not disappoint. <laughs> the text I was sending Melody, I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I hate that I keep watching. It feels like I've already put in this time, and I can't peel away because they keep picking their bachelors and bachelorettes from previous seasons. That's how they do it. This Bachelor, though, is someone who is not from a previous franchise. He is actually the best friend of a former contestant on last year's Bachelorette. I just kept wanting, like... Someone to come out of a limo and just be wearing like jeans and a cozy sweater and have a, a lesbian haircut and just see how far that person would make it. Probably just far. Like, 
If like a yeah. ruby rose came out, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> a plant. A producer plant. A producer plant that is like extra competition for The Bachelor. Because I don't think it's fair that he's there and he has no competition. And all these women don't have any other choice but to try to impress him. But what if there was a lesbian plant within the girls who... It would come out. Wait a minute. Because he's not giving me attention. Uh, I would like to spend time with her. And I'm drunk (laughs) enough to be free of inhibition to pursue that because that is what they do. They get these women very drunk and sleep deprived. A lot of these like rose ceremonies and tapings are happening just before sunrise. So like if you had that real strong dyke energy there, you know how like straight women succumb to it when they're drunk a lot of the time too. Like maybe they're a Kinsey too and it'll come out and it'll be Great television. Right. I would watch (laughs) The Bachelor consistently for that. I'm in a Facebook group full of um, female comedians who watch The Bachelor um, and a lot of gay men, too. And (laughs) I got confused this past week. I saw someone post um, something and I got a notification like someone from your uh, group posted this. I got confused in the moment because I was at the same time commenting on our Facebook group posts for the podcast. So I, in this weird moment, like got the groups crossed and really thought one of our listeners was watching The Bachelor. So I replied to it, the post, and I commented, oh my God, I'm watching too. That's crazy. (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely not proud, but I'm so excited to see some of y'all might be watching. (laughs) And then like, (laughs) this is a group of women who have been watching together for years. They're like, yeah, we're we're watching. And they're like, yeah, I guess I'm not proud, but what else are we going to do? And then, like, the next day I realized, I was like, oh, my God, sorry. You left it up for a whole day. Ladies. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought this was a post in my Facebook group for my lesbian podcast. Of course we're watching here. <laughs> like, I really alienated. Like, a lot of the times, every post gets a lot of comments. And I think I just, like, alienated everyone. I was like, I'm not proud. <laughs> you're like oh are we doing this again i guess (laughs) it was funny well it's good that we have all this reality tv in case we need to escape from the the horrifying terrifying news Mm -hmm. i only laugh because it makes me so angry and uncomfortable and that's how i deal with this oh yeah (laughs) and that's just a caveat for any uncomfortable topic. If you hear me laugh on this podcast, it's out of discomfort. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. DC, are you okay? I can't say that I didn't see this coming because I definitely saw this coming, but I think we were all surprised that these lunatics were actually successful. Uh, but then not, too surprised with the double standard this of how whiplash. police, yeah, <laughs> how police treat these Trump supporters because a lot of them are also Trump supporters, yep. and that uh, it'll, I mean it'll be interesting. I'm very interested to see what a full investigation reveals and how much was um, was this coordinated to have it be lower security than it should have been Uh compared to any other event that they do. But when they knew that all these people were coming, when they were openly planning to storm the Capitol. Openly on Twitter, parlor, just, I've read it. Yeah, like... (laughs) 
There's a there's another podcast that I sometimes listen to, and in their episode that they recorded before the new year, they made a joke about people storming the Capitol. And I'm like, yeah, like everybody knew that this was like what they were trying to be incited yeah. to to lead up to to interrupt. <sighs> democracy happening and and speaking of predictions yet another thing the simpsons <laughs> predicted um i don't know if people are keeping tabs on all the simpsons predicts of the last year especially but um oh, man episode 19 season 7 there's a scene of morons storming the capitol um and there's like a line that's like hey the door's open um <laughs> but um yeah truly wild i can't help myself i've been in this like dark hole um after the fact reading on all the planning so there's a forum called the donald.win i was able to get in and see the planning i was able to read these crazy threads about how they indoctrinate people into their way of thinking like it is a cult and there was like go to's on like how to talk to your friends and family, what resources to show them, links, like docs. It's so wild to read and I can't stop. I feel like a dummy because I didn't even think of this when his last tweet was about not being at the inauguration. That was actually a signal to people who are planning an attack on inauguration, like, hey, it's okay to attack this event violently because me, your your hero, your favorite president will not be there oh yeah like, and, i didn't take it that way and then i was reading that that's why twitter took it down and i'm like holy shit this is serious like please put aoc and like the pope mobile like put her in a bulletproof and with the rest of the squad and <laughs> squad protect the squad at all costs yes yeah there's a on the forum i saw killer bunny 88 yeah uh, drag her. Hope hope you're not a listener. <laughs> hope you're not part of LGBTQ and on. Yeah. She wrote, my husband and I listened very closely to the words used and not used. Trump never used the word concede. He never mentioned Biden or Harris to congratulate them or even refer to the Biden like administration. He did not even say new administration, which I believe could be in reference to him appointing a new VP. Like they're Mike breaking Flint. Yeah, down yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. Yes, I've seen this. Yeah. I don't know. I'm hanging on until inauguration day. People can call me a LARPer or someone addicted to the hopium. <laughs> the way they talk is so funny. But this whole video seemed really weird to me. And then the comments are like, I'm with you, peed. You know they call each other peed, which is short for centipede. The Trump supporters are all a part of yeah. a big human centipede. Like these people are seventh graders. <laughs> They're talking in code like this out in the Pete open. was a new one. Yeah, Pete was a new one, uh, which I'm like, okay, th did they watch Human Centipede? So they're they're admitting that they're all in a mouth-to-butthole line yeah. of eating bullshit? Well, quite a week. Were you able to be gay, Melody? Did anything gay I happen to you? I was able to, to squeeze it in, absolutely. Um, okay. After the week we've had yesterday, Allie and I drove down to Coles. The closest Coles is at the southernmost point basically of Brooklyn, like below Besenhurst by the water. <laughs> it's like on the water. It's kind of nice. <laughs> uh, it's by this huge Target. We All of our nicest chain stores in New York City are on the water. Ikea I has a view of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, we, we drove by it. <laughs> um, it was nice. We're like, okay, we knew it was nice because we went there last week and 
um, because there's an Amazon return center. If you have something really big, you can't just like return it easily in Brooklyn. You have to go down to Kohl's <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's the closest Kohl's. So then we went there and we got some kitchen glasses. We went home after last weekend buying them. What do you know? They're all broken. 2021 energy. Um, so we really <laughs> had to drive back to the Kohl's this past weekend to return them. And we're like, let's make a day of it. That's where we're at in the pandemic. Let's make a day of going to the nice Kohl's on the water. <laughs> <laughs> right last night Cecilia was like can we do something fun tonight I'm like like what what are we gonna do like our options are stay in and watch a movie do you want to go bowling I don't understand what kind of fun you think we can have right now that was all we could come up with and we <laughs> we went down there we drove parked and like walked along an expressway it was very loud it was very windy it was uncomfortable and not pleasant but we we're like we're by the water we learned that we were actually on an estuary which is where uh fresh water meets salt water like the hudson river meets the ocean all of our geography dikes just got very wet i know that was for y'all and Allie and I, after the week we'd all had, we were, we just screamed into the estuary. We leaned over the rails and we let out primal screams. Okay. How garden state of you. <laughs> yeah, it was. I made that comment. It was her idea. And I said, like, garden state? Um, <laughs> garden state, but make it estuary. We <laughs> screamed. And then Allie's like, yep, I am screaming in an estuary next to Cole's years old. Um, <laughs> Can I quickly say, speaking of primal screams, uh, Cecilia and I are still at the hotel because our house still has no bathroom. Let and right. Uh, <laughs> heard we're woken up in the middle of the night by some primal screams, which I'm pretty sure was Carnal sex. Primal? But yeah, I got to know when heteros are having sex, does it always sound like the woman's getting murdered because <laughs> it was not it was not an enjoyable scream it was like really She's frightening in a way being stabbed and we thought <laughs> and as lesbians you know you you stab each other sometimes so Oof, should i that, not use that, that word that's fine <laughs> I yeah I, anyway c continue it was just like an alarming type of scream that uh even though I was half asleep when it woke me up I can't it was it was jarring yeah continue um, well there was um a group of seagulls that kept like we would walk up to them it was a huge flock of them and they would like disperse and then they would line up on this rail between us and the estuary and like we'd walk past them and each one as we got closer to one would fly away and then would go to the end of the line and they the line would just keep reformulating so i'd have to say the gayest thing i did this week was as i walked past the line of seagulls every time i just kept to every single one i pumped out air fist bumped and said good game good game good game good game <laughs> <laughs> as they each flew away and like it's a volleyball match <laughs> yep <laughs> so that's gotta be it love it <laughs> love it um can i tell you my gayest memory of the week though yeah <laughs> i found myself remembering this past week the time i was at least one year into dating a man and i was talking about circumcision with a friend and I really did not know if my I had to text my boyfriend of over a year once and ask him, are you circumcised? If that's not the gayest text message, <laughs> a girl could send her boyfriend. I don't know what is. 
I didn't know. And he responded, are you serious? And I was like, I think that's a yes. I, I want to know what year do women typically know the difference between a circumcised and an uncircumcised penis? Because I know for me, it was I was way too old. Like, like I straight up was in my mid-20s and was like, hey, babe, hey, babe, are you? <laughs> that just popped in my head. Um, and I had to share. Yeah. Thank you for letting me. <laughs> Love, um, it. Love it. Did, did you make time for gayness in your hotel? <laughs> uh, yeah, not necessarily in the hotel. Well, both. So I would say the gayest thing was uh, it's related to a gayest thing from a couple weeks ago. I bought those Ellen DeGeneres uh, lights, those sconces, mm -hmm. and... This week, I returned them. And I think having a very volatile relationship with Ellen DeGeneres is the gayest thing you could do. Yep. So <laughs> that felt super gay. The other thing is just thinking a lot about my gender presentation. Uh, you know, during quarantine, I have become a lot more butch. You have. I, yeah. I cut my hair. I, I like stopped wearing it. makeup. I grew out all of my body hair, mostly right now because I don't know where my razor is and I don't want to buy a new one because they're expensive. And <laughs> I'm really having issues with the way I look right now. Uh, my phone keeps showing me memories and old pictures of me with my longer pink hair and I get really sad every time I see it because I'm like I like her like that's that's who I want to be and then I look in the mirror and I have like armpit hair and my hair is short and I don't have makeup on and I it's really bothers me and I keep thinking like no it's because like society told me that armpit hair and leg hair is is masculine but it's not inherently masculine uh you know it's it's just a product of society and I'm trying to like overcome it but I spend so much time thinking about this every time I see myself I'm like this is really gay that I keep thinking about my gender presentation and how my body hair is making me feel that's a big part of being gay in general um yeah definitely the gayest thing I'm realizing I've known you now longer as the way you present now. <laughs> so I'm like <laughs> yeah. having to remember, you know, what you did right. look like. Yeah. Like I used to wear makeup almost every day and had fun, pink, longer hair. And, uh, I look very different now and I, I want to go back to the old way. So maybe, maybe once I have a bathroom, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll get that razor. I think the straightest thing I did this week, thank you for asking, was <laughs> that I did watch a couple of episodes of Bridgerton and the Duke is so attractive. He's just a very, very he attractive is. man. We like as soon as he got episode. on yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know if I'm really into it. I do like that the actress from Dairy Girls who plays a lesbian on Dairy Girls is in it and I thought that there maybe was going to be some type of queer storyline with her and one of the other sisters. And again, I'm not that far into it. Um, but the whole time I'm just like this dude, like, every time he comes Bassett, on, right? Is that yeah. Yeah. Very attractive. Very my male type. 
Yeah, that was actually my first thought. I was like, oh, is this how Melody feels about like all the men on Insecure is like how I'm feeling about (laughs) the Duke. I really am only like attracted to women and just my the only kind of man is like the man, the type I've seen on Insecure. And I feel like obviously (laughs) he would fit in there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know I get it. All right, they're they're all. <laughs> we're getting before we're getting we lose too them. straight here. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into our interview uh, today. We are diking out with a league of her own bar manager, Joe McDaniel, about dike bars. Some of you may remember Joe from our short too short interview that we had on our lesbian bar project show and 10 minutes with Joe just wasn't enough. So here is a full episode with her and we know you're going to love it. Joe, thank you so much for diking out with us today. We are so happy to finally be doing this. Me too. I love a good dike out. Yeah, we got a little preview of what it would be like to dike out with you at our Lesbian Bar Project show. And immediately, I think like during the show, no, during. we said, we need you. Yeah. yeah, we need you <laughs> as a guest on the podcast. We need to continue this conversation <laughs> because once we got into it, it almost felt like one of our normal interviews. I'm like, how do we only have like 10 minutes? <laughs> we have way cooler people ask. to talk to tonight and we have to do this. I, I only agree. a cast member of the L word. That I was mean, the only one. <laughs> I listen. That was a hell of a week for me because I flirted with Leah Delaria the night before in our green room for another event, and then what does that look like? Flirting with Leah Explain. Delaria. Tell us. Literally, yeah. there's nothing to it. You just show up and kind of like flash your vagina a little bit, and Leah Delaria is totally flirting with you. Like that's who she is uh-huh. as a human. She's like, ah, I smell, I smell a woman. Yeah. And yeah. She, she can sniff it out through the zoom. Like she's the originator of big dyke energy so hard. So, and I've been doing this a long time. So I basically just like fed the energy. I had a picture of her. I have, there's a picture of her in our bar and I literally sat in front of it for the zoom so that I could be like, yo, do you see yourself like next to me here? And of course she was like, let's chat. So love it. And was Rosie like, where's my picture? Because Rosie Uh, O'Donnell was on that event as well. And Rosie's also on my wall. I positioned myself just so that both photos were there because the bar is called A League of Her Own. So we actually have a picture of Rosie from the movie on our wall. Okay. I was hoping so because that's great. Do you also have a picture of Madonna? We do actually. It's not from A League of Her Own though because... Okay. That's fine too. Right. The guys who own my... The guy who owns my bar is like an old gay. So he had already picked out Cindy Lauper's picture, Madonna's picture, and Melissa Etheridge. That was like the extent of like women gay friendly. He had. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> Their holy trinity. <laughs> yes, precisely. I just realized that I already broke my New Year's resolution of not mentioning Rosie O'Donnell on the oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. We have her <laughs> as a guest. Realize, like, <laughs> off to a great start. First week of the new year. <laughs> Listen, fun fact when she was on the podcast for the Lesbian Bar Project, she was actively like, telling her children that mama mommy's working like the ch- the kids were running around near where she was sitting. So it was yeah. kind of funny to see like that side of her. Oh yeah, her Instagram it's all like mom mode. It's just like her making crafts with her daughter mm-hmm. and posting all the toys she buys her daughter. <laughs> like I don't think it would suck to be Rosie O'Donnell's kid. No. no. But no, I'm a, I was obsessed with that show and when she started adopting kids, I would like look over at my own mother and be like, "I 
I want to be Rosie O'Donnell's kid. <laughs> right? <laughs> she keeps expanding this ankle tattoo and she's on jet skis and I feel like some kind of way. <laughs> right. So many jet ski pictures. Always. Just her. <laughs> just her on a jet ski with her ankle taped up because she's added more ink to like her one tattoo piece. What a legend. <laughs> That's the mom I want. Right? <laughs> My mom didn't want to pay the tattoo artist when she got her first tattoo at like 40. <laughs> she was like, I have to pay you for that. I was shocked my mom did it. And uh, she took me to get my first tattoo and is still mad about having, because now I have a lot of ink and she's irritated. How old were you when you got your first one? I was 17. And what was it? And it was okay. a tramp stamp before we even called them that. And it was, my mom actually drew this like floral tribal situation that's on my lower back. I was 17. I was a senior in high school and I started asking for a tattoo at 12. And my mom said, if you get straight A's all through high school, I'll get you a tattoo your senior year. So I was valedictorian of my high school class. <laughs> wow, what a master class in parenting here. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen. If you, if you give them uh, the right motivation, they'll do well for themselves. <laughs> it's funny because I'm a, I'm a mom and my kid is 17. And they have facial piercings and uh, all of the like quote unquote rebellious things. And the running joke in my house is like, how is Avery going to rebel? Because <laughs> I give them real autonomy. I'm like, well, okay, if you want to try that, I think a septum piercing is gross looking, but if you're into it, like let's do it. So we pierced their, se- I actually held their nose when Ugh. they got their septum pierced. You know what this means? They're going to rebel by becoming a Republican. I thought I've so seen it too, before. but then they, dis- <laughs> they disowned several family members during this election because this was the first Good. one they were and they literally hit people up and were like listen I'm a non-binary queer AFAB human your vote is like for my rights and if you vote for Donald Trump you're a racist yeah and my, my mother didn't take kindly to that <laughs> so we're not speaking and I'm cool with it but yeah no I think the way that they're rebelling is they're a total helicopter mom to their cat that's their rebellion it's like don't pick him up he's sleeping I'm like he's a cat (laughs) he's on my stuff he can be yeah Joe we gotta ask you real quick what's the gayest thing you did this week uh the gayest thing I did this week was probably schedule a kitten's neuter and all right and and actively to the vet refer to myself as the cat's grandmother (laughs) because they're my kids kids so I think that was that was pretty gay how I uh, how I managed to sound like a total crazy cat lady, <laughs> absolutely stereotypical gay, like oh my grandson needs his balls clipped like okay that's <laughs> cool I <laughs> love it um, yeah I I would say because it's a neutering it's gay mm-hmm. if it was, was a spade that wouldn't be that gay that'd be homophobic. I don't know. We have feelings about that. Yeah. Uh, somehow. Uh, <laughs> don't tied into Republicans. Like, don't police that body. You're right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, castrate the AMABs. <laughs> Can we talk about Republicans and rebellion real quick? Oh. Because yeah. Joe... Because we were supposed to interview you yesterday, January 6th at 5 p.m. as you were fleeing the city. As I was leaving my apartment that's roughly three blocks from the Capitol building. And the crazy part was I was at work and I'm like, so I work in emergency care. So I'm listening to the police scanner as the police are trying to contain 
this group of zealots who stormed our Capitol, got inside, threw shit around. The weirdest part is there's video of these people minding the like velvet rope oh, I of know. where people That's are supposed to walk. They stormed the Capitol, but then like stayed with it. It's these. It's Nuts. a lot of DC. And it was confusing. I thought they were being like ushered, ushered out, and and that's why they were going through through the lines. But I'm like, no, they're just. And uh, then they like hung off of the like uh, balcony in the rotunda, and we're like climbing over things. I was scaling like, scaling it. Yeah, literally. And they look there's a guy so like out of shape. No offense oh, to it's that. Gross. I mean, offense to that. But like, absolutely offend them. Yeah. No, it's it's a, it's a tricky thing. Um, so the Proud Boys have been in DC. This is their third visit since October they come monthly we're expecting them back again in January right and this time the call to arms was that they would storm the Capitol building and I don't know what their plan was although one particular asshole is like photographed he left a note on Nancy Pelosi's desk Mm -hmm. and they're like feet on the desk like just like every utterance that they all but peed in the corners of the rooms I know there's not enough Febreze to get the stench of loser out of her office now. Like there's, they came in and they spread COVID all over one. I mean, it's bad enough. The Republican politicians were spreading COVID and people were afraid to be in the lockdown room with them. And some Democrats got out of there because the Republicans refused to wear masks. And it was revealed today that one of them had COVID. One of them just tested positive for COVID. So, so that was insane. But there was the one guy they showed with like zip ties, like they were going to take hostages. Mm-hmm. That was their plan. They had a noose built in on the North side of the Capitol. There was an actual like hanging and noose. Didn't they find from bombs? Like three. So far we have bombs. three uh, bombs. So, so yeah, so I live very close to the Capitol and the first thing that happens in these instances is that the streets get shut down. And I was at work, which is about 10 minutes from my house so I'm like on the phone with my partner, like get the kid, figure out where my sister's at, get everybody and come to me and then we'll make a plan. And so we did that and actually have a really good friend in Virginia who's just on the other side of the bridge. Like DC is situated interestingly where I like to compare us a little bit to the boroughs of New York because Maryland and Virginia mm. are literally, you're like driving down a road and suddenly you're in Maryland. It's not, they're not far away. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we just, D- DC is like the taint it is of those two states. Absolutely. Exactly that. Yeah. What's and the what, acronym? <laughs> it's like the D- DMV. 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 Mm-hmm. DC, Maryland and Virginia. And the question is always like, are you from DC? Where are you actually from? Or where do you actually yeah. live? Uh, right. I've, I've lived in the city proper for two years, but the 15 years I've been in the area, I've lived elsewhere. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's like super, super common. But yeah, we had to evacuate our neighborhood because I wasn't certain I was going to get home and I wear like a Black Lives Matter mask or hoodie all the time. And so the concept of walking home with the potential like infiltration of Proud Boys in our neighborhood was like not, not okay. No, no, not yeah, at so all. Yeah, so then I'm well, like, I get to my friend Sherry's house and I'm like reaching out to you two. Like, so listen, I'm on my way to Virginia to like be safe with my family. I couldn't my believe kid that. Is, you were yeah, still going to try and swing it. You're like, I'll I was, be five late. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, Sherry, I'm going to go in your bedroom for an hour because I need to record this podcast that I've been waiting to do for months. But I also, <laughs> the thing that's interesting about it, because the Proud Boys have been here before. I've been out protesting since before the bar opened, our, our bar's proudly supports BLM protesters and have been getting tested weekly since June. And in DC, we're really fortunate. We have free testing, sort of no questions asked. You fill out an online form, 
they swab your nose and you get an email a few days later. So I have been getting tested because I've been out in the world and my kids immunocompromised. So I'm like, let me be particularly aware. Right. Um, and I had to like really sit and think because the first amendment, right? Like we want people to like have the right to protest. And then there's so much conversation surrounding our peaceful protests that went on all summer. And then this one moment, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen, there's a photo, a viral photo going around from one of the George Floyd protests and national guard members are on yep. every step of the Capitol. Yeah. Right. Leading up right. to our mayor did ask for national guard three days prior yep. and was denied because we're not a state. So the mayor doesn't make that call. Right. The president does. So yeah, we didn't I have mean, National I'm, Guard guarding the Capitol because we were denied. It was but like absolutely. National Guard are not. They wouldn't have like they it's were only about in, bodies. Like, oh no, they absolutely were. <laughs> Capitol Police. It's interesting because right the day before all this happened, we were driving up Independence Avenue, which is where the Capitol sits, and my kid looked out the window and was like this Capitol policeman is holding a machine gun. And like, literally they're just standing on street corners with machine guns. And yeah. my kid was like, that's a little terrifying that we live so close to something that has to be guarded that sa- that particularly. Uh, but we're already sort of from my end as a proprietor of a bar thinking about inauguration and the next oh, for sure. time they show up because the last times they showed up, it was really unorganized. And this, because it was like more of a nationwide rally, several states had their capitals stormed. We weren't the only place, right. the biggest. Again, it's not something we've seen frequently in DC. Again, it's such a liberal city. And by and large, the people who come here are more liberal. Like we don't see these, I, we call them maggots in my, in my, crowd. <laughs> Uh, we just have never really experienced something like this. And so over the course of the last couple of visits, we've become more, uh, I don't know, more aware, but also I used to say, because I'm a femme presenting woman, that being out was the most like everyday form of activism I could present. It's like, people have an idea of what gay people are. And then they're like, but Joe like has a kid and a dog and a house that they just sort of, she seems like, you know, I, I debunk, and especially 10, 15 years ago, I really debunked myths that conservative people thought of gay people. Mm. And so now I'm like, no, being celebratory and like talking about the things that we actually think matter, like queer spaces and bartenders and our community, like that's like our own form of activism or rebellion to be like, uh, yeah, I know you came into my city, but also I'm going to go sit on diking out and like have a badass time with these two chicks in New York. Yes. Like, fuck you for coming to my city in the first place. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
your bar, A League of Her Own. So tell us a little bit about how you got to start in bartending. Because you've been a you have a long history of bartending before you got this bar. Yeah, Yeah, all in DC. I started at a club as a security guard. Yes. Oh my god, a door dive. Shut up. I was twenty-two. I was a a baby, and I was a baby gay at that. And it was like before (laughs) "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" was repealed, so people would pull out their military ID and be like, "Is this okay?" And I'd be like, "I'm cool with it. You, it's up to them, really." Um, So I was really good at the door because. I recognized like the gravity of coming into a gay bar at the time, like the first club I worked at, you couldn't tell what we were from the outside. We looked like a commune. We were like the last (laughs) of DC's sort of hidden gay spaces. It was called apex. Uh, and great. That was my next question. Yeah, it was called apex and it, uh, it opened in like the seventies and you couldn't tell what it was. It was like all black paint and mirrors inside. It was a dance floor and I worked as the door and I paid attention to people and commented on their birthdays and was like, fun. I was the start of your experience with us. And that mattered to me, especially because when school would start, the new semester would start and all the freshmen would come in newly out or first time in a gay bar. Like we were a lot of people's first gay bar. And I was really good at the door. So one day my manager just came up and was like, have you ever thought about bartending? Because I had that natural ability was I've never met a stranger it drives my kid crazy because I just chat at giant about people's top like or their baby (laughs) I'm just friendly by nature and because I walk through the world with privilege I'm white I'm femme presenting for all intents and purposes I look like I'm straight so I know that I'm privileged so I see other people and recognize that they don't have the same privilege so I care about that So I was taught to bartend in 05 and I've just moved around from gay place to gay place by and large for men. Like that's just where the money is, frankly. Yeah. So in that's just the the places that exist. If mm -hmm. you look at the the breakdown of percentage of bars, gay bars that are places that exist. Yeah. And I was a male. Yeah, I was a fill in. So in D.C., when I first started, we had like three big gay girl bartenders. And it was the manager of phase one, whose name at the time was Sarah, uh, a bartender at a place called chaos, which was had a ladies night. And her name was Marie. And then me at apex and we were the gay girls and they loved to try to get each other drunk. That was like the goal. If you went in on your night off, you'd go shot for shot. I, to this day, can't drink like a bartender. I am not capable (laughs) of doing grand Marnier shots, um, without throwing up. But at the time, Phase one, which opened in 1971, was the longest running lesbian bar in the country. Opened in 1971. It closed in 2015. And I was uh, the manager who followed Archer Lombardi would tap me as a fill in because I have I like to say that I've had a 15 year career bartending in D.C. because I've never fucked the wrong girl. (laughs) (laughs) Having a kid really helps. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Having (laughs) a kid really helps with that. But I, um, so I bartended at Apex. uh, I bartended at phase one. I bartended at a second phase that only lasted for a little while because it was a huge space that's hard to fill up with women. Uh, And then I would work ladies nights. I was like known to, I always had a day job. And so I was known to pick up shifts. So I picked up shifts for a long time. And then in 2018, I won, <clears throat> this is the title, the Stoli Key West Cocktail Classic. Uh, oh, I'm familiar yeah. with that. Oh, good. You just I, I, I know, 
<laughs> yeah, well, I know bartenders who, when that happens, like they'll post on their Instagram. Cool. Um, yeah, it's like seven years old. Yeah. I was the second woman to win the whole thing, and I was the first queer woman. I have always been good at bartending because I love people a lot. The concept of like interacting with people is dope for me. So the week before the DC Stoli Key West Cocktail Classic, because they do it regionally first, the week before the Stoli reps came in. I didn't know who they were. I served drinks and did my like flair fun. I'm the girl. So I have to work harder because it's a bunch of shirtless boys and then me and beautiful. I worked at Cobalt at the time. The boys there were like choice. I'm still friends with a lot of them because I can appreciate the eye candy. Um, (laughs) right. And the Stoli guy whose name is Sky Patterson. He was like, one of them was like, you should really do this bartending competition. And I was like, right, but if I win, I have to go to Key West for DC Pride because their prides are the same. And I was like, oh, no bartender yeah. is going to leave the city for pride. That's basically yeah. our tax return to work that weekend. We don't sleep for 72 yeah. hours straight. It's it's totally. And so I got talked into it and I did it. And I won DC because you're miked as you make drinks. And I am one of the few people who can make drinks and talk at the same time. It's not easy. Mixologists have a really hard time with that. Because that's not right. it. You've got to focus. Right. So I won the DC leg. And then I won. I went to Key West for Pride. I had my perfect sister be my handler. I won in Key West during their Pride celebration. I got to give 15 grand to charity. It was super awesome. Um, wow. But that's how, that was like this, this last stepping stone for Dave Perusa, who owns my bar, to be like, I'm opening a women's bar. I want you to run it. And people come up to you all the time and say shit like that. So when he first came in, I was like... <laughs> Okay, sure. Of course you right. do. Um, and then I vetted him a little bit and I reached out to people I knew in the community and was like, I've heard some things about him that I don't like. What do you think? And they were like, if you want to be a part of this, you should do it. It's good. And so aloha. Yeah, because gay guys say stuff like all the time that like they're always, I feel like, blowing hot air at you. The number of documentaries like, oh, I'm going to be yeah. in and all. I'm like, yeah, of right, course, sure. Right. Absolutely. Come come film me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I won in June of 18 and then Aloha opened in August of 2018. Uh, what's your sign? You mentioned how friendly you were and sociable. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm a Leo, August 9th. And it, fun fact, the bar opened on my birthday and in the least Leo way possible, I actually didn't tell our owner when he chose that date wow. that it was my birthday. Huh? I know. I'm still proud of that to this day. I was like, <laughs> see how I've grown as a Leo? Somebody noticed. <laughs> Just Leo of me. So now you're running a league of her own, Mm -hmm. but then the pandemic happened. A year and a half into like my dream of having a space that I got to like have some say in. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, so. (laughs) You probably opened around the same time as Jolene's, right? Yeah, actually, Jolene and I, so I did a Curve Magazine article. So this is another way that I'm this person. In the article, they sent us the link and included all of our email addresses. So, like, I am, I consider myself friends with Lisa Canastrasi from Henrietta Hudson's. She owns Henrietta Hudson. Mm-hmm. I consider myself her friend because I reached out to every email address that was copied and was like, uh, literally in the girl in the subject line, I was like, us girl bars have to stay together. And I like cut and paste this email, like, I'd love to get to know you better. I'm super excited to know who you are. And I actually have like made the one I'm, I talk to most often is Julie Mabry from Pearl Bar in Houston. But between mm-hmm. that Curve magazine article, which prompted the Lesbian Bar Project and then the Lesbian Bar Project, some of us have like actually 
gotten kind of tight and been friendly with each other, which That's is awesome. awesome. Right. Because forming an Avengers of Dyke yeah. Bars. hundred percent. And also like teaching people that misogyny is actually bullshit and us lifting each other up is pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. That part I think alludes some people who write about us sometimes because I'm like, yeah, open three more dike bars in D.C. I'm here for it. I will come and drink at your bar. Right. I mean, when I lived in Atlanta, there were a handful of lesbian bars really? that existed. Yeah. Um, of course, MSR is the only one standing. Was my sister's room open at the time? My sister's room was open at the time. It was back. Uh, I haven't been to the new location of my sister's room. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that there was a new location until the Lesbian Bar Project. And then there was this other bar. And then there were a bunch of kind of mixed bars and then the mostly guy bars. Yeah. But I would do like in one week, I would go to like six different parties bars. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like they were... We've always had a... You know. I, I When I first opened Aloho, the first people I reached out to were promoters because we had so many like really cool parties that weren't attached to a gay bar. Like yeah. over easy, I swear to God, y'all, if it comes back next year, you have to come down to DC for it. It's once a month on a Sunday from three to eight. Melody, I know what time you go to bed. So like, it's so perfect. <laughs> and like, it's like Miller High Life is their sale at the time. And it's two levels with outdoor space and a dance floor upstairs and a bar upstairs and then a bar downstairs. But it's just where all the dykes like, debut their spring outfits and like expensive sunglasses oh my god love it but it's not totally white it's not totally white it's not totally young it's not totally cis which is awesome like you really see i I, when i opened aloho i like made it mandatory for my newly hired staff i was like y'all need to go to this party because this is the vibe we're trying to put out there um yeah but yeah it's just a tea party it's just because it's once a month once a month called over easy and it was started by a DJ, and the DJs only get 90-minute sets. So they're, like, playing the best of the best they've yeah. got. Oh, Tea parties. That's stellar. what I brought up on the our Jen Richards episode. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. started, like, gay bars and gay culture. They had to, like, gather during the day and, like, pretend they were dancing and, like, would show up, a girl would show up with, like, a guy friend, but then the guys would, like, dance together and the girls uh-huh. would until the cops mm-hmm. came and broke them up. But it was always, like, during the day around tea time. Yep. I just remembered the name of the other bar in oh. Atlanta, and it's uh, Bellissima. Cool. That's a cool name. It was kind of like you would start the night at Bellissima and just kind of like check out who was there, get a drink. It was kind of a weird vibe. It was like pink and purple lights and like <laughs> these like sheer curtains all over the place. And you just felt like you were in a different decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in an 80s music video or something Which like that. sometimes on a date, that's like what you want. Like you yeah. want to just have like billowing curtains like touching like, you. Everything in there was white, but it was uh, not except the people, but it because it was Atlanta, but Atlanta. It, it was white uh, and then it was lit with these like pink and purple accents. If I'm remembering it correctly, someone's going to write and be like, no, Carolyn, that's a fever dream. That, that is not what was <laughs> at all. Look, I was drinking a lot. I was in my twenties. When I opened Aloha, we also had XX plus open, which was, uh, this amazing woman, Lena Nikolai owns a restaurant with her mother and she convinced her mom to convert their upstairs, uh, event space to a lounge. And they opened like the week before a league of her own. 
And right now they've been closed since January, but I think they just had some family stuff because it's a fully Italian run family business. Like they're not bringing more people in, but it's like very much a lounge. And so I used to say like, that's where you would take your date for like, cause they have like a VIP section that I shit you not has like glittery sheer curtains, like closing you in a banquette. I was like, well, that's filthy and awesome. (laughs) I was like, so you go there and then you like come to Aloho the the next day, like, you know, post coital and eat tater tots and watch football. Like that's what we would talk about. And that is why like going back to like the friendships between gay bars and specifically dyke bars is like the queer people like loving on each other. Anytime Lena and I were in the same space, I was like, come on, let's take a picture. Like we are we are not competitors. We are friends and yeah. we lift each other up and like support each other. Her mother came into the bar and had a drink with me into a league of her own. Like <laughs> the concept of like shifting that is just as important as any other shift we've made in the last 10 years between switching from lesbian to queer, switching, you know, asking people for and respecting pronouns. Like these differences in, mm-hmm. in the bar culture are wildly important because the new generation of queers are smarter than we were 10 years ago. And it's not even just like book smart there. There's an entitlement because all of a sudden the world is paying attention to such things. Access to information. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Like we didn't know shit. My kid taught me what pansexual was. I had no like (laughs) concept of, and I dated somebody who was like, I could never date someone who identified as a lesbian. And I was like, well, I better do some research because I like (laughs) wanted to date this person. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm queer. Like that makes way more, that's a more fitting. So, right. We just didn't have access. I mean, shit, if I had had the kind of representation we have now, I'd have been out years before I was. Yeah. Not to pit different groups of gays against each other, but do, do you think that the the gay, the, the gay guy bars are doing that kind of work? Like I, it just always feels <laughs> like it's the, uh, like the queer Us. women non-binary spaces. It's yeah, it's, that are yeah that are like, like a, everyone trying to evolve, is. trying to be more inclusive, trying to be aware like, on the forefront of like okay, what is the community saying, and how do we make sure that we're like up to date? How do with we even what the listen to that? From right? Us? How do we yeah? Take how do we listen to the voices appropriately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a good question, and it's particularly good for me because I am attached. Like a league of her own is attached to pictures, which is owned by a gay man. Yeah, so we're all one space. There's five bars total. Aloho and the restaurant are like ground level. Above us is the dance floor, where I always have one a league of her own bartender and one pitchers bartender, and then upstairs is all the boys. Okay. Basically, if you walk into a so Aloho has its own entrance because I found that people, uh, my patrons, there are my patrons who will not be comfortable going into the pitchers, like to the pitchers door person who's generally a cis man. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we have our own security team who like certain people don't work the door at Aloho because they're, okay. can, they come off in a way that we don't feel is welcoming to certain marginalized members of our community. That's the best way to say it. However, once you're inside Aloho, you can get to anywhere in pictures. Like it's all connected. You can get into, you can get into Mm. five different bars, which is dope because then people who like just want to sit and have a drink generally stay in Aloha, but you can go all the way upstairs and there are patios as well. So like- That sounds really fun. Right. And then there's the dance floor that's like packed and sweaty and condensating and it's kind of gross, but, and then the DJ is like lifted up so you can see the DJ above the crowd 
And let's all get vaccinated. I know and I'm about to cry. On just, just, I, no, I, I literally it. just, I keep having people post on their stories and tag me like images of our dance floor. And it's funny yeah. because like on one end of the dance floor, the pitcher's bar has an entrance. And then on the other hand comes straight from Aloha. So you sort of see it's a little bit more AFAB and non-binary and trans people on one side and a little bit more just like standard straight, standard gay men on the other. And then like in the middle are the people who are like comfortable mingling right yeah and so it's it's stunning the first time I worked on the dance floor uh or the first time I had one of our DJs Tezra I remember going into the DJ booth and she was like Joe I have always wanted to throw this party and like play for this many people of different interests and like the DJs we choose specifically have to Get the circuit in there. Get the reggaeton in there. Get the hip. Get the Carly Ray Jepsen for the boys. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right. right. The Madonna. Speaking of, you mentioned to us the last time we spoke about a certain lesbian guest DJ. Oh, when I worked at Cobalt, that wasn't my bar. Now, okay, that was a different bar. Yeah, that was that was Shane herself. Well, tell it anyway. All right. right. So Cobalt. (laughs) had the longest running women's party. It was at 10, uh, Lore, it's called Lore. Um, it's run by this chick named Karen Deal, who at, in my day, and she'll kill me if you put this on the podcast, so I kind of hope you do. We called her Frosty. Her name was Frosty. She Shout out to Frosty. Shout out uh-huh. to Frosty. Sounds like an orange is the new black. No, really she was, no, she was Shane. She, I swear to God, Shane was modeled after her. Women ran right. away from her crying constantly. To this day. I wish... I wish Shane's character was named Frosty. Like the I only know, thing that could make that character better, right? Oh, yeah. Would have been if they called her Frosty. If they're right. like, this is our butch yeah. lady killer. She wears a ring that like goes across both fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She's got a tattoo of like a girl holding a, I mean, she's just, Frosty is forever Frosty to me. So Karen started <laughs> this party uh, in the early 2010s, I guess, probably maybe 2010 itself. Um, and she, it was every third Saturday at Cobalt and it was the ladies party because Cobalt is several layers so that you had a dance floor and kind of a loungier area. There was like good lighting. So you could start your date on one level and then go up to the super dark dance floor. And for their ninth anniversary, they had DJ no names, which is Kate moaning, AKA Shane from the L word and Another person whose name I can't remember. That's terrible because she was a really good DJ. Jennifer Beals? No, (laughs) it was like nobody we knew. I bartended that party uh, and we had like a VIP moment where people could come take pictures with Shane. And I took a couple of things away from it. One, Kate Moaning drinks white wine. And two, I see it. We had like a, like a little section for her, kind of like a green room, and that was the request was white wine. And she's the tiniest human. Yeah. Yes. Ever. So small. I'm, I'm, I stand I five foot 10. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a, and I have broad shoulders. Like, and we like passed in a doorway as I was setting up my bar and I was like, oh, I'm going to like break you. She's tiny. But then I felt yeah. so terrible for her because she's spinning in this corner in this darkened uh, DJ booth and the dance floor is dark and there's like a light show happening, but literally everyone has just got their flash on her as she's DJing. And I was like, this has to be really oh yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah I got to sort of meet her a couple of years ago <laughs> it's a tricky thing and I'm really grateful because I I Aloha couldn't have come along at a better time for me because 
I had so many sort of connections already. If you work in gay spaces for long enough, you just amass a group of people and finding the right DJs to work in your space matters so much. Like it's so important. And especially for us where our crowd is so, not just a league of our own's crowd, which is really diverse, but then to add the pitchers crowd too, and like have a DJ who's, and one of my big tenets that I have gotten into arguments about is I don't charge a cover ever. I don't want to be exclusionary that way. I love you. (laughs) It's a hard, and it's like, and I, I, I've, had to work around it sometimes when I work with promoters because I've hosted some of the parties that promoters have put on in straight bars because they want a safe space and also like sort of budding putting those two things together like I recognize you need to make money off of this and I I can cover my costs including the DJ with the booze so I can't I just in good conscience I've seen people not get to a space that they need that could be life-saving for some people because they can't, they don't want to, or can't afford to pay the cover. Well, you talked about what goes into finding the perfect DJ. What about bartenders? Oh yeah. Oh, my bartenders. I've been really, really lucky. So I've worked with a lot of really cool bartenders from the start, like at Apex, this guy named Mike Harrington. I learned so much from him about trusting my instinct where people are concerned and like the way you approach somebody, the way you talk to them matters so much to their experience. And then also like to the safety of everybody else. So when I hired bartenders for a league of her own, it was always about their, their capacity for interacting. Like something I'm really proud of as a league of her own is a place you can come by yourself. Like you're not going to be weird if you come by yourself. Love it. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's huge. I love that so and much. And it's huge in DC by and large, people come to DC knowing zero humans. Uh, yeah a a lot of time people too they'll roll through on like a business business trip trip. even in covid i've had that happen when we had like our streetery open and um or it had some limited inside capacity i had this woman come in who had just moved to dc in the pandemic didn't know anyone read about me online found the bar and watched Happiest Season with us, and we had a whole critique. And then, love it. When she, we had a whole she, of course, I know with Erica Rose, love it. She oh was so God. cute. She was so excited to send me her her uh, her podcast with y'all. Um, yeah. But this person, you know, she's brand new to the city. We were the cornerstone of her experience, even in a pandemic. And she attended our New Year's Eve party. And when she came to pick up her swag bag, she like brought us cookies. Like that's. Like we're such we're such a small town in having a community, and I oftentimes feel really sad for straight bars where people just come in to drink and don't have anything in common. Like the the fact mm-hmm. that people are walking into a gay bar with some sort of like, and I say agenda in not a bad way, but like you're looking for your people, you're looking to connect, and there's this like understanding there. So with hiring bartenders, I was like, how do you connect with people? Uh, the biggest rule I have with hiring people is nobody who works for a league of our own is cool. We just don't have cool bartenders. <laughs> oh my like, God. <laughs> somebody told me once, cause at the time when Aloha opened, I had the under part of my head shaved. I just had hair on the top and I'd like a fade and I'm covered in tattoos. And someone was like, you're pretty cool. And I was like, I am really not cool. Like I will scream <laughs> out Jeopardy answers and critique your Tinder date. Like it's not, it's not about being cool here. And so in bringing on bartenders, that was, I literally just 
sat across the bar from each person and was like, would I come back to you? What would make me come back to you? What would make me drink with you? Right. And right. so, yeah, you don't want people to be intimidated by their bartender. Right. And because, you know, dykes are intimidating. Oh, they can yeah. Be very, oh my God. Very intimidating. I look at some of the bartenders at, at the other dyke bars and I'm like, oh, I'm like scared. Some like, of my biggest crushes were lesbian bartenders. Yeah. And, so hot, so intimidating, also terrible bartenders. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Right. They'll ignore really you to talk to their crush bad. for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. And so while we still like, and we not encourage that, but like I have one bartender named Allie and we used to like name the hookup, the alley cats, so whoever <laughs> Allie was hooking up with was an alley cat. But Allie is also this like, oh, she's so phenomenal this fat-bodied, blonde, southern queer. She's high femme, like, glitter everything, does, like, all the, like, drag makeup. And she calls everybody sugar and, like, makes these... The babies are obsessed with her because she's, like, the mama they never had. So that was part of bringing her in. And I think one of the biggest responsibilities I've tried to work for with Aloha is, like, representation. So having people of color, having mask of center people or trans people on our staff so that when someone is shy and new or maybe transitioning or maybe just coming out, they sort of see themselves in our staff uh, and so that we can work on feminine visibility and wor- work on transphobia and like just offer a sense of solace when you walk in. Yeah. So. Do you ever have any uh, straight bartenders, like straight women specifically? Because like the first lesbian bar that I went to, my bartender, my go-to bartender was straight. But she was like this burlesque dancing, uh, pinup girl looking, tatted, you know. She she looked queer. She had queer energy. Mm -hmm. She had like a lot of bisexual energy. But she was straight uh, and... Yeah, I don't know. I like I just kind of like assume that all bartenders in gay spaces and like one of the gay bars I went to in Atlanta, one of the actually a bunch of the male bartenders were straight, kind of like a it's uh, really at gay strip clubs. <laughs> yeah, at gay strip clubs, a lot of the, yeah. the male strippers are, are there's straight. one bar I used to work at that most of the bartenders are straight. The guys. Um, yeah, I have been really fortunate in a league of her own that I have found representation on lots of levels in queer people. Um, yeah. I've been really lucky that we haven't, uh, we've had a, we've had security guards who were um, really feminine. And I think it's important to have security guards who look like everybody as well, because that helps with de-escalating That's situations. Interesting to me. Yeah. When you brought mm-hmm. that up earlier, I was like, uh, cause I've always assumed they have to be big, like to be a good men, security you guard? know, like, mm. And I think it's one of the things that sets A League of Her Own apart that I know of. I'm sitting on a panel in March about this, so maybe it's becoming a bit more something that's talked about. But so Rachel Pike, who is our head of security and a bartender. So I moved her from security to bartending because she's so good at people. She goes by coach. Everybody calls her coach because she's also a life coach. Yeah. Um, And she coached basketball and looks like a basketball player. So she came on as a security guard. And the first time we worked together, there were two women. Everyone is allowed in Aloha. We don't turn people away because they're straight presenting or even straight. The only thing you can do, and it's happened before, is be like, well, could I turn somebody? And like, okay, now you can't come in. That's uh, the, yeah. So we let everybody in. So we had this guy and anytime a cis man comes in to a league of her own, we're like aware. And I always wear a walkie behind the bar 
And my door person who I can see from the bar has a walkie as well. So there's two women sitting at the end of the bar on a date, like facing each other and chatting. And this man comes and stands near them. And I can't see from the bar, like where his hips are. And I'm like, I feel weird. And I look up and I see Rach at the door and she's doing the same thing like watching him. So this, we barely met at this point. I'd hired her as a security guard. She had worked in gay men's spaces before and she changed everything when she became head of security. She took the ego out of security. Like you don't have There's to be There's so big. much there. Yeah. There's so much. And, and the concept mm. of a bouncer is so archaic. It just is mm-hmm. like the concept of like someone holding you accountable, having to be able to kick your ass in order to be effective is so archaic and so useless because if you go in escalated, you're, Mm -hmm. you're never going to get anywhere. And when people have been drinking, basically by and large, and Rachel's six feet tall, she's a bit menacing. She's masculine presenting. Everyone on the earth says she looks like Tommy from power, which I've never watched, but I've seen the pictures and she kind of does, but she trains our security guards that we're always going to de-escalate. Ultimately, you're in charge here. Regardless of what you look like or how much bigger this person might be than you, you're in charge. So hiring really feminine women as our security guards, hiring like smaller statured humans, like, yes, you can still do this if you do it correctly, which ultimately is about like, I feel like it's probably time for you to go home. Yes, it is. You're right. And then the person is like, yeah, I probably am ready to go home. And so sometimes it gets big and heavy, but ultimately our goal is always like to move the problem away from this, the crowd. We want to keep the whole crowd safe. And right. when we have to cut somebody off and they get lippy, it's so easy to just say like, it's not a personal attack on you. You've just had enough for tonight. Drink some water and come back in 20 minutes. And then we get on the walkie and we're like, all right, so this chick for instance, like she, you know, Tito's and soda with the lemon were on the walkie and they're like, yeah, I'm like long blonde hair. She's done for a while. And then we like send a security guard to make sure everybody, cause we have five bars. That's 10 bartenders on a, a busy night. Mm-hmm. Everybody is aware that that person's had enough for a while. So we use a little bit of shame, which is important. <laughs> it's healthy. And we're like, if people try to get a drink, we're like, didn't you, t- didn't we tell you, you can't drink anymore. Approaching yeah, it from a really goose. calm situation. The only time we get shitty about shame is when we kick people out for fucking in the bathroom. Then we're like, as we walk them out, we're like, that's gross. Don't fuck in our bathrooms. <laughs> as we walk through the crowd. <laughs> I really like doing that. Um, but having um, a wide representation in security is really helpful because at Rachel as a masculine presenting white person might not have as easy uh might might not be as easy to listen to as a really feminine beautiful black woman like our security guard amara she is she presents a certain way so she's less threatening right off the bat so i'm quick as a manager to be like amara go just stand behind rachel while she talks to these people like get coach yeah get give coach back up you don't have to say anything you have your shirt on, like maybe touch your walkie so that they know your security. You don't have to do anything. I just want you in that, in their presence. Powerful move. A hundred percent, especially with gay men who are so concerned about image. Like you sure shit aren't going to swing on a woman in front of another woman. And like, you know, so ultimately like we find ways to diffuse a situation and coach teaches our staff from the start to like make friends with the potential problems. Right from the start. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And like for good right, and for Rach, it's often these, I call them snapbacks because baby dykes isn't a thing anymore. And they have like flat iron <laughs> hair and a snapback on. 
Yeah, you know oh, who yeah. I'm talking about. Yes. They're the they're the new baby dykes. I know, and they're the, exactly who you're so talking about. Of course, we and all the call worst. Them that. We should snapbacks. <laughs> it's a it. thing. Yeah, I like created snapbacks in our merch. They've got line. the Avril Lavigne hair, yes. flat as can be. Like yeah. they spend a lot of time flattening it and then put a snapback on backwards. Generally, yeah. in a like really fitted flannel. Every time. Yeah. Or tank in the nice weather tank top tank and the flannels around. I was going to say like a white beater under mm-hmm. the, the flannel for sure. 100%. Let's get back to the bathroom sex. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. How often? How do you catch them? We're sorry. Uh, uh, what's the best? Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing, the bathroom is the most well lit place in the joint. That's the way to like combat. Nobody wants to fuck in like a brightly fluorescent lit yeah, that's no. just a lot of pressure especially when you've just met someone and we're super sex positive like go home we are yeah. here for your slutty your slutty moment in life um, is it stalls it stalls so it stalls okay. everywhere and all of our bathrooms are gender neutral uh, the only bathroom we have without urinals is the one downstairs in league of our own everything else has both stalls and urinals so it is stalls so basically it's Generally, you can tell when someone starts making out that they're going to try to visit the bathroom together. And so we have security guards who are watching. And then, like, as the manager, I float through and take a look. So if somebody's, like, really starting to grind on the dance floor, I'll tell security, like, stay here by the door of the dance floor because I'm pretty sure these two are going to. I love this. Yeah, and then you pound on the stall. Oh, my God. It's so. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story that's going to give you chills. So you stay, you pound on the stall, one to a stall, and then. If they're not out right away, like, and sometimes you need to hold your friend's hair while they're throwing up and we're here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. we can tell by your feet if that's what you're doing mm-hmm. or if your feet are, right. if you're like, and, and also gross. I really hope you washed your hands first because gross. Yeah. Uh, but one time, so DC has an incredible um, and robust deaf queer community. Nice. Yes. And when I worked at Apex, our bathroom stalls were much shorter like I would stand up from using the bathroom and be like hey what's up to the person in the stall next to me they were really short which I then I figured out eventually was so that we could kind of see as security what was happening in there uh and these two deaf interesting girls, I've been to a gay bar like that that's why so we can tell if yeah. you're fucking or snorting stuff didn't that, occur to me yeah yeah <laughs> that's so funny I'm so yeah. naive the drug part of bartending was like oh that's a thing right got it uh so these two deaf girls um, or having sex in the bathroom stall. So I get a call over the walkie to come in there. Um, but they couldn't hear us tell them to stop. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're like pounding on the walls to try and stomping on the floor to try to get their attention. Right. It was an unpleasant experience. Oh my God. It was an unpleasant. And they were both super drunk. So then we like had to help them get dr- It was a lot. That's it a- was a lot oh, of wow. um, sounds. Something about wow. the fact that there are procedures in place for mm-hmm. monitoring lesbians getting close, touching, and flirt. Like, I don't know. Something about that makes me really happy. <laughs> well, and what's funny is, like, frankly, here's the fun thing about women in particular, in my experience, and, like, queer women. We don't usually need the bathroom. The dance floor is plenty. And then you just have to, as security, do hand checks. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it actually, for us, has happened less in the bathrooms. Again, fluorescent lighting. We're too smart to right, like, right. really go that for that. That is very smart. 
Uh, most yeah. of the bars here are pitch black. Like mm-hmm. Stonewall, you cannot see anything when you're in the, at yeah. least the upstairs Stonewall bathroom. That has to be fun when you like get home and look at yourself and you're like, that's what I looked like this whole <laughs> yeah. time. So we make them really, really well lit. And um, and then we do hand. It, it happens more frequently outside of the bathroom. Wait, walk me through real. a hand check. Because um. you just put your hands up or down somebody's. I had a customer on our front steps. Like we have a stoop between our two doors. And her girlfriend was in a skirt. She had her hand all over the sky. I was like, uh, I know, I know what these motions are. Get get <laughs> off my steps. Go home. <laughs> I feel it. like I should be apologizing to you for all the, <laughs> like, the most rule, common, your rules the, I've broken in other bars. <laughs> yeah. The most common is against the wall of the dance floor, yeah. hand down a pants. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that's generally coach's job to like have to sort of interrupt and be like, oh, okay. I got to see everybody's hands above the clothes is fine. Like basically if you get your girlfriend off through her jeans on the dance floor, like yeah, mazel. well done you. <laughs> yeah. If you got, if there's fluid and you're in a crowded dance floor, like just COVID be fr- be yeah. a better uh, yeah. community member. I can say that I have respected those rules and haven't, <laughs> I have not. Allie has fully gone up my dress at, um, at a gay bar. <laughs> Yeah, no, at I've Allie. never, That's I've filthy. never gone yeah, there. When Allie was drinking, and this was at a gay man's older gay man leather bar in Chicago called oh, the, the Jackhammer, where not so like they all hated that we were doing that. We were the only women there, and they were livid. <laughs> you know what's funny is I am, and I like frequent kink clubs. Like I'm a kinky human, and in 15 years, I have never fucked where I work. Not once, not one time. Mm. And I don't think it's boring. It's cleanliness to me. Like, I also don't sleep with women with acrylic nails because I'm like, oh, the bacteria. That's one reason. What are some other crazy stories you can tell us about about the dyke bar scene like what what are some of the craziest things or craziest nights you remember? I mean, we see I I have a, a friend who was a promoter for a long time and she runs with this sort of incestual pack of of lesbians um and they're less so now or a bit older but when they were younger like she was dating her and then then now she's dating her and I was like oh you're the real l word and she asked me once why I never hung out with them and I was like because your group devolves every time you're drinking into a telenovela like somebody (laughs) is mad and like arms crossed angry Someone's crying and then her friend is also crying because she's so distraught. And like someone is sitting on the curb with their shoes off. Like every time you all go out together, there's just like this telenovela situation. There was a group like that in Atlanta that I used to just people watch every time I went out. (laughs) The fact that people don't think their bartender can hear them from like over three feet of bar is beyond my, I can't conceive of how that's possible. I'm like, I love this too. Cause th- this is all reminding me of like kind of when you're in high school and middle school and you're a student and you don't really realize like how much your teachers actually know about you yeah. and how much your teachers gossip about you. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> you're just unaware of it until your friends mm-hmm. become teachers. And you're like, Oh no, we know Everything. everybody. Job and to like, watch you, ha- just like a bartender. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you can also tell like when, my favorite are couples who come in and are like Instagram couples. So like people are so like excited about them. And then they come to the bar to have their really like hushed argument about somebody's my, and it's DC. We're a small town where queers are concerned. Like 
the drama. Like Rach literally had to tell someone that she couldn't kick her ex out because she had cheated on her. Like, no. <laughs> I, I And the girl kept being like, but she cheated. And coach was like, Right. And here you can't like make her talk to you. She doesn't have to talk to you about it. And also I'm not going to kick her out. Like she's allowed to be shitty. Like that's shitty. I'm really sorry that happened to you. And also as head of security, I'm not going to like kick her out for being an asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the, the hushed arguments are really fun. If you kick like, someone you get out it together. For, that, for that drama, I mean, every time have you'd have no in. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we never have. I mean, the number of my, and then another good one is the repeat dater. Like we have regulars who always bring oh, their yes. dates to us. And it's like, and the fun part is when they bring somebody we know and it's like, oh, <laughs> well. Uh. Um, and then I have a regular who just keeps me abreast using Tinder. Like, oh, this person must be single now because they're back on Tinder. And I get like screenshots of people. Uh, when my sister dates on Tinder, because my sister's also queer, that's fun because she's quick to be like vetting people through me. Like, what is it? What about this one? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> she is not as tall as she looks in that picture. Like, <laughs> Good deal for your sister. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I know she's really lucked out that way. Um, so hushed arguments are super fun. The worst <laughs> thing, and I was like quoted in a top 10 things you can do wrong on a date in a bar. And my my number was... Um, flirt with the bartender like the number of times someone goes to the bathroom and their date like tries to slip me their number or one of our bartenders and we're like no that's you're doing a bad job like and also like don't screw up here at the one girl bar like don't be right don't get don't don't get a reputation yeah, like we that's... talk to each other here Ill-advised. In terms of like stories from, from running the bar and people who come, you mentioned influencers. I'm wondering about politicians. I'm wondering if uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema has been. I know. I'm too. It's funny because DC is not a celebrity town. We just don't have that. We have a, a professional soccer player who loves to come in and she's like DC famous. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. then at WNBA, but here's the tricky part is like, by and large, people who are out and in DC are not like, they're not the kind of out that goes to bars and especially like my spot. That's so large. And yeah. because we're so new, we have like a notoriety attached to us. We get, yeah. I get nobody. I get none of the, like, I don't get, I don't get, and I'm like, Come on, Charlotte Clymer, Sarah McBride. But the problem is most of our politicians who we're really hearing about too are trans and are straight. So they're like also yeah. not coming in. So I have like yeah. people I get excited to see, which are like bartenders from Gossip Grill in San Diego. I'm like, woohoo, Emily's here. Like, <laughs> nobody knows. But we have a new wave, is. a new little blue wave. Um, and then maybe you'll get some choice politicians in a couple months. Well, that's what's cool about bartending in D.C. is you definitely notice the difference when the administration changes. Like the eight years that we had Obama, our customers were amazing. The last four years, we have not had a lot of politicos. Although one of my trivia mavens is the was the director of communications for Cory Booker, who's a senator from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And that was oh, cool. Yeah. I like consistently, I'm like, Kristen, I can't believe that people don't know who you are. You're so cool. And you went to <laughs> Yale. Like, look at you go. And she's like, I'm so, still single. <laughs> what you're saying is you've never seen Hillary Clinton in disguise. 
Even, you couldn't she, tell us if she did. Not even Chelsea. I would totally tell. If Huma Abedin ever comes oh in. I am ready. Hell, I, I would be me. happy with AOC. She's straight. And I would be happy I know. just to be or like, Rosario oh, Dawson, yeah. who would be in town to see Cory Booker. And then he's busy at work. And she goes for a drink. Such a drink. I mean, we've had so I literally like, yeah. I'm, I'm hurting. I tweeted at Fortune Feimster and was like, because she had a show here. And was so like, funny. you're on my wall, yes. Fortune. Like. Come bring your North Carolina ass over Jackie, here. Jackie, no. bring Jackie. Yeah, uh, she's so cool. I'm obsessed with them. I, I am too. They're so cute. Yeah. She got this. Yeah. She totally like did the hot girl Mary thing. But yeah, I have I have a whole uh, wall of inspiration and I'm consistently like Samira Wiley is a DC native. Her dad oh, is still really? a preacher here. I'm like, bring your wife. I'm obsessed with y'all. Yes. Come on, Poussey people. Although Leah made a good point when she was talking about it. And I actually met at the cubby hole. They have the cubby hose, the Instagram group, uh, the Instagram account. So I had a regular create a low hose. So we like, and then the cubby hose followed them and they freaked out. But one of the, (laughs) one of the customers who started cubby hose came in, she was like in DC dropping her grandmother off or something. She was like, yeah, I run Cubby. I'm one of the people who runs Cubby Hose DC or Cubby Hose and just wanted to like see you all. And I like sent her a shirt for Lisa Menachino. And I was like I, talking about having, you know, Leah Delaria is the first like real celebrity I've ever like interacted with. And I did so on Zoom with like 15 other people, which is fine. Um, but she she was like, yeah, she comes into the corner where the regulars sit and just holds court. And I can't even like fathom what that would look like. 15 years and I can't even I met Macy Gray she's the one celebrity who came into our bar and she's not even queer she feels okay. queer I was I was starting to get I very excited because I was like tip. that would make so yeah. much sense I was I mean I was that voice I was ready yeah. for it I was ready she like walked in and I was like and she was like, I'm going to go upstairs with the boys. And I was like, mm. let's talk about your sweatshirt. We were talking about this a little bit before yeah. uh, before we recorded, but I want to make sure we get this on the podcast yeah, because absolutely. you're wearing an amazing sweatshirt right now. What does it say? All right. So this sweatshirt is part of our merch line and it's Love actually it. um, a, a replica of the sign at our door, which is really large and stands behind our door person. So when you first walk in, it's the first expectation we set. And it says consent is sexy. And then in parentheses, it says, but here it's mandatory. Uh, And the goal with that is people have a misconception about consent, that it's only about sex. And that's actually not just while that's wildly important in sex. It's also wildly important in the bar scene and not enforced. So even if people order shots and they're like, let me get five shots of tequila, five people have to sort of raise their hands because we follow the enthusiastic model of consent. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And that applies to everything, including conversation. If she is not hell yesing your attentions, you got to move it on. And our security staff actually makes it a priority, including on the dance floor, because we have more than once had to sort of pull someone away and be like, are you uncomfortable with this kind of dancing? Because yes, some of your body- I've been a part of unconsensual dancing yeah, many times yeah. in my life. Right. It's, and it's terrifying because that's, yeah. That like that sets expectations, that sets boundaries or a lack of boundaries. So our security staff is trained that consent is mandatory and our bar staff as well. Like she doesn't, first of all, she doesn't seem like 
she needs another drink. And there's this common misconception that everybody has to do the same shot. And so people are like, oh, I hate tequila. Well, then don't shoot tequila. You're an autonomous human. And so what's great about like starting conversations in a bar where people are casual and having fun is we then get to like open their minds to the idea, especially what I find sort of small statured feminine people aren't always like willing to push back on something if they don't consent to it. And so we really afford people an opportunity to ask themselves, like, do I want to do this? Do I want to dance with this person or do this shot? And so what coach has really done with our security staff is maintain an enthusiastic model of consent inside the bar. That's our expectation. If you walk in, people have to consent to your attentions, to your shots, to your physical touch, et cetera. So much so that like, if somebody pushes their way up to the bar and are like touching someone, we'll stop them and be like, you don't know who this person is. You can't just touch them. And so for people to have like bodily autonomy, sort of set something off in brains. And for people like I am a human who, when I hire a new bartender, I have to say like, it's a close space back here. Are you comfortable with me putting my hand on your lower back? Like bartenders don't always mm. get asked that, but you're still right. moving each other as you go through your night. And so the concept of like thinking that through and setting those boundaries, it can be born in a bar environment. And we're, we're like, we miss the mark often as service industry. So it like affords us an opportunity to give people that. Yeah, especially in an industry that just classically has no HR and there's just no understanding of how to act most of right. the time. Right. So to provide right. that voice is one of the greatest responsibilities I have as the proprietor of what I like to tout as a safe space. I can't call yeah. it a safe space if I don't live by that. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been bullied into a shot. Like legitimately. Mm-hmm. Yes. Same. Did not want it. Knew it would mess up my night. I'd vomit my whole next day and just had to do it. Like looking back, it's very stupid. Right. And as a bartender, people want to buy you shots all the time. And I think one of the most dangerous, uh, I never understood that buying your bartender a shot. I don't, the last thing I want to do when I'm drinking is work. Like, I just don't, I don't want to. And, and there are, so we always drink what we call a pop at the bar, which is like maybe half a shot, maybe a little less. And I usually sadly like drink Jack fire because I'm a pussy and I can't like drink things that are stronger or bigger than that. And I am so pleased with especially young, aggressive people. I think the new generation of queers has this misconception that they have to be big in their queerness and in their femininity or whatever it may be. And there's this aggression that comes with it. And a hundred percent starting. It's where it's starting. I'm not kidding. They're so I don't know intense. About anything and, no, they're licking their keep... lips into the camera and then they're just taking that energy out into the world. And maybe and that's dangerous. it's good that they're being locked in the house right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. And we can't like the only way to teach people how to relate and have relationships in a healthy way, because that leads to toxicity that sometimes takes 10, you know, they're in their early thirties before they figure out like, oh, I was a real shit in that situation. So for me as like the notoriety I've gotten and being the person who opened this bar, I have a responsibility to like use that like cis white femme presenting privilege and be like, I'm not going to do a shot. It's not even that I I just am not gonna. So to like bring down that aggression a notch and I, and I always say like, don't shit where you're eat. Right. I'm the bitch with the booze. 
Like you can't mess with me. You yeah. can't question. I ultimately I make the decision here because I have the bottle. Right. And so for me to be the one where this like brash 23 year old fuck boy presenting <laughs> queer girl comes up and thinks that's how she's going to move through the world. She comes into our space. And I always say our and we, because it's not mine, it's ours. And that's like a collective community conversation. She thinks she's going to like walk in and like impress somebody and it's like, do a shot with me. And I'm like, I don't want a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't. No is a complete sentence. If yes. I learned anything from coach, no is a complete sentence. No, no period. No period. And so Love from it. a bar perspective, it's a tricky thing, right? Because, and I've worked with gay men a lot. So that concept of holding people to task or holding people accountable is like, well, then how do you sell things? Well, funny thing, when you do the right thing, the money will follow you. So if you're willing to like stand up and be the one who takes that as a responsibility and that comes into how I hire people, you have to be willing to be like really uncomfortable. Yeah, You have to be willing to like really call people out. And I don't, Rachel always says like the most loving thing you can do is hold someone accountable. So like I'm loving you and making you do better. Yeah. And no one, I like that you nip it in the bud before the shot has been purchased because a lot of the time it's born, you take it out of guilt because someone spent money. I hooked up with this girl like out one night in Chicago years and years and years ago. She found my Instagram and would like follow me so she would know when my shows were or just like where I would be. You're so pretty. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much. I didn't want this attention. She would buy me um, like glasses of Jameson, like like she would, I don't know how $16 much dollars worth. Yeah. Of, right. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time I was like in my mid twenties, I would feel guilty and I would take it. And it got to yeah. the point where my straight friends were like, we're really concerned. Like she stop accepting drinks from her. You're going to get raped. Like she would just like try to get me very drunk and take me home. And like, because it was a woman, I didn't like consider that as soon as I should have, um, because yeah. of the money factor, right. just being broken, being like, that was a whole $16 of liquid. Right. Societal influence says you should be demure and accepting and grateful or whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. Bartenders in queer spaces. And I, in fairness, that's all of my experience. I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but like we have such a responsibility and to, to utilize that power for good, like for yeah. me to shut down, like I can think of one particular regular who's wildly insecure and I'm a human enough to like, and when you're a bartender, you like learn humanity so well because you just see the of best course. and worst of people. Like the girl who will walk somebody out to their Uber and stand with them in the cold till they actually get picked up and make sure the Uber driver has their address. Like there's good but then there's like the shitty ones who are like, if I get if I get another shot in her, she'll probably come home with me. Like I literally have a regular now and she's still a questionable human. And <laughs> I called her rapey once. I used that term with her. I was like, it's a little rapey. And to this day, she gives me shit for it. And to this day, I am not sorry for using that term because that's yeah. what we're that's what we're programmed to expect is like if I fall in fall in line, uh, then I won't upset somebody. Well, like, fuck you. Not here. In my bar, we don't do that. And it can be hard with women sometimes, too. And I always, in my mind, think, like, when I see behavior from a woman, I'm like, if a guy was doing this, I would definitely have a problem with it. So I shouldn't give a woman a pass because she's a queer woman doing it. And this behavior is is just as gross. And and I don't like it. And I'm not going to make 
excuses for it. So those sweatshirts, is, is there like a website where people can buy yeah, them? Yeah, everything is. The bar? Um, so our merch is all on our link in the Aloho's Instagram bio. We um, have links to our virtual events, to our merchandise, to our GoFundMe um, are all in the, uh, it's at Aloho DC, A-L-O-H-O DC, a league of her own. It's an acronym. People get very confused by it. (laughs) (laughs) And when we're all vaccinated and everything is safe and good, can Melody and I come to Aloho and put on a show there? Oh my God. We have great great acoustics on our dance floor, but also like, yes, absolutely. We don't care. Uh, I just, I performed outside a couple, like, you know, like. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sticks don't even matter anymore places. with stand up. Like, <laughs> right? No, right. I have a one of my bartenders is a drummer, and she's been busking on the streets of DC all summer. She and her band just like set up in random spots with a tip jar. Um, but they also were smart and like put a QR code for Venmo. That's I was smart. Like, oh. There is a legitimate yes. comedy club here that is um, doing train shows now. I can say stand up New York is hell yeah. <laughs> emailing Allie for her avails, and she's like. How do I say I don't want to do stand up on the <laughs> on a train, train like on the no. subway? No, <laughs> no, it's ter- I mean, and it's terrifying right now. Like we did this virtual New Year's Eve, and the concept to me, the fact that I didn't realize how much we had so much more of a virtual presence than an in person presence because we spent the first year and a half we were open with just this huge volume, and I would stand in a three foot by three foot square and just throw 300 drinks at people in a night. So the concept of having a virtual presence is beyond me. And so it's been really like cool and overwhelming to see people like put us on their Instagram story in their new merch that we just like launched. And we have a couple of cool things. And actually Erica Rose is about to go on my story from lesbian bar project because to thank her and her team, I sent them all beanies with like one of our logos on it and was like, I sent them five. I was like, one's for Leah. If you can get it to her, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, unfortunately we have to wrap this up, uh, but I love talking to you so much and we're so glad you're safe for the time. We're so glad that (laughs) Aloha is, is open and we want everything and any listener, like whatever you can do to help, Aloha and any of the other dyke bars. Yeah, yeah hell, just follow us on get Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just a follow would help. Anything else? Buy buy the merch. What else? Go just find me. When, buy the merch. Go to the GoFundMe. Open back up. Join our uh virtual trivia. We have queer trivia once oh, a month cool. and it's all virtual. Six people Amazing. to a team, seven questions in seven categories. We've been doing it for two almost two years now. And they have completely converted to virtual and is it queer uh, trivia? We have, it's queer trivia. So it's like <gasps> pop culture. It's really good trivia because Kristen Lynch, who was the um, director of comms for Cory Booker, is one of the letter, uh, one of the writers of the questions. So it's like up to the minute they write it that like a few days before. Um, and then we have speed dating that we're doing virtually. Go to our Instagram. Speed uh, dating. Oh, my gosh. Via hollers. Get via on this because... We wanted to organize yeah. a speed dating and we we were too intimidated okay. by it, but it works. I, I, well, see, here's the thing. I was really lucky to have um, like an intramural social sports league that has a huge queer contingent. Their director of sports is a uh, senior director of sports is a queer woman. She came to me with it. So like they sponsored it. The DC Frey sponsored speed dating. And so like we're getting the Aloha staff is getting 
the ticket prices. It's like 20 bucks to, to participate. And we're about to add three more dates. It's fucking awesome. Okay. Because it's via Zoom. So you're actually having like a face-to-face date versus Tinder. Yeah. Terrifying. Amazing. I've never, I've never dated online. I've been a bartender for 15 years. I've met every relationship. Yeah, you don't have to. From behind right. the bar. Uh, I have one relationship in 15 years that I didn't meet while I was bartending. So that's <laughs> the joy of being a bartender. Um, but yeah, I guess there's a lot. That's of cool- my last question. Mm. Are dating apps killing the the dyke bar? No, absolutely not. No, I okay. literally okay. have what, what, what we call it at Aloha in normal times. Take a chance Tuesday where I somebody gives me their phone. And from behind the bar, we collectively poll if we swipe left or swipe right. <laughs> I love that. I take a man, chance Tuesdays. I'm like, but also, like, all this makes me so sad. I know about not being able to go out. Like, I mean, the thing about our spaces is we're the only population that has spaces just for us. So even though it's like so hard that we're closing, I just think a resurgence is coming, and it's just going to be. It's going to be the roaring twenties. Yeah, again, hundred percent. But also less about booze. And just about community. Yes, I yeah, think community. Yeah, the goal is to like, on trivia night, I pack the place when we do it regular, but they, I barely ring anything. They're barely, I mean, they're paying enough to keep us open, but they're not drinking. Right. They're just there to commune. And that's that's the whole point. It's always been the point. It started with safety and now it's about community. The purpose of our bars is to be a place where people can find other people. That's Love it. it. Love Can't it wait so to go. All right, I'm going to eat dinner now. All right. I love y'all. Thank you (laughs) so much for your time. Oh, my God. Bye, Joe. Thanks. Okay, we have to wrap up. Let's get to our listener question. All right. I want to know if I'm the asshole. Yes, I love these. Um... Yes, more of these, please, typing out at (laughs) gmail.com. Roughly one to two years ago, I was friends with someone in the local queer community, and yes... We slept together multiple times. We were never romantically involved for sure. It was a fun summer. That's about it. Regardless, we stayed friends. Eventually, she started dating someone else, as did I, who, to keep it short, I didn't like. After a decent amount of time, they broke up, got together, broke up, got together, yada yada. Needless to say, I wasn't the most supportive of their relationship. Because of this, my friend basically said that I make her uncomfortable with how unsupportive I am, and I left it as, I'm not going to lie about how I feel. I really hope it works out. We haven't spoken since, and I no longer get invited to any form of queer event near me. I feel like I've been excommunicated, but I don't actually know that I have been. Am I the asshole? Should I have pretended to be supportive? Ooh, emphasis on the ex and excommunicated. Uh, (laughs) First, I want to say... Maybe there's less queer events. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I I'm like, sure hey. this listener has thought about it, but I'm like, maybe there's just less going on because of the pandemic. But yeah. But if there I was mean, like regular Zoom hangs popping off that you're realizing sure, you're not sure. getting invited to, potentially, yeah. Yeah. That sucks. I'm not in the business of lying about how I feel about someone, <laughs> if they've, especially if they've proven to be problematic. Yeah. So I would have not done anything differently. You're definitely not the asshole. Definitely not. And I think that if you're moving to friends territory with someone, even if you have a past, but if you're going to be friends, part of being a a friend is letting a friend know that the person that they're seeing uh, isn't great. And, and I feel like, 
Uh, you know, I was trying to think of examples of my life when I haven't liked somebody that a friend is dating and it, you can only say something if you're a really good friend. Yeah, that's true. It, it's a hard position to be in because like, I know someone who was engaged to someone who I thought was a total skis and thank God they broke up. Uh, but I'm like, Oh, I wonder if she's like, why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> Cause it's a, it's a hard thing, especially if the, those people are going to stay together to be like, yeah, this, this person isn't great. You know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's hard. But like, if you, if you have the courage to, to do it and to say, Hey, you deserve better. This person isn't great. Like that's not you being unsupportive. That's you putting yourself on the line to be supportive. Right. Um, in the past, I've been the more vocal friend who's just like, if I see something problematic, I like say it right away. And it has yeah. uh, come back to bite me in the ass. Like sometimes friends would be a little um, less apt to share um, some details about their relationships with me because they know I'll say something. So that's been tricky. So I've actually yeah. been like dialed back over the years on my feedback on my friends' relationships. I wasn't invited to a wedding once because I did that. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Same. And I was yeah. invited to the bachelor weekend, but not the wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's wild. I know. I was invited to wild. just have a fun weekend with the gals, but not the wedding. Because <laughs> they didn't want you giving stink eye to the, yeah, to the groom. Yeah, because everyone knew how I felt. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think you are being a good friend. And I don't think that your opinion, like, if it sounded like it was something where you were being territorial and a jealous ex, which you're clearly not, then maybe it's a problem that you're telling, uh, that you're telling this person that you hooked up with, like, oh, no, you shouldn't be with this person if you're just like plotting to have them all to yourself. Yeah. But that's, that's not the case. And I don't know. What what do you do in this situation if you feel that you've been excommunicated from a group? Because I've been in this situation before where I've been a little bit paranoid where I'm like, oh, I have beef with like someone in this group and I'm kind of paranoid that everyone's hanging out without me. And mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, this is actually very relevant to my life right now. Uh <laughs> I know. <laughs> We'll save it for Patreon. Mm -hmm. uh, and, <laughs> and I want to ask someone else in the group about it and be like, hey, what's going on here? Like, is there something that I'm not aware of or <laughs> has this been discussed amongst the, the group? But by doing that, you put someone else in the middle of whatever drama you're having. Yeah. And I don't want it. And I never want to do that to someone. So I just sit here uncomfortable. <laughs> I've been that person too. And it's, uh, it is very uncomfortable. That has been put in the middle? Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people don't want to get involved in the drama and then feel like if you ask them, like then they can get mad that, you know, and, and the last thing I want is more people mad at me. So I'm like, you know, I'll just sit over here and wait it out. <laughs> Time will tell, I guess. Yeah. It sucks if you're, especially if you're someone who's like me, too like proud, too stubborn. I was serious. The way I operate is like, well, I guess they're dead to me, and that's not healthy. <laughs> and that's why sometimes I feel like I should sit back and listen to the advice you give out. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you could try planning your your own thing. And if you still want to be friends with this person, you can invite them, like plan a Zoom hangout or something and invite them and extend an olive branch or or try to clear the air. Yeah, make your own queer event. Yeah. (laughs) It is easy these days. You just make a link. (laughs) (laughs) And you can also customize the password to I'm sorry. (laughs) done or or we cool now yeah are we cool <laughs> the name of the zoom meeting is are we cool and just invite everyone to it how about the rainbow that? emoji perfect uh great advice again we nailed it yes. uh send your questions to diking out at gmail.com and you can follow us on social media at diking out on everywhere and at diking out pod rosie if you're listening you already follow us on Twitter. Follow us at Diking Out Pod. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. And you can follow me at TGI Carolyn. Thank you so much for Diking Out with us this week. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Some of the best content for kids is both entertaining and educational. And with 5 for 5 Trivia, not only do kids get to learn from each week's brand new theme, they also get to challenge themselves by playing trivia. A Parents' Choice Foundation Silver Award winner, this fast-paced trivia podcast is perfect for kids ages 6 to 12. It's released five times a week, so it's a quick addition to your daily routine and a fun challenge to get five out of five right on trivia topics like animal sounds, time travel, fictional ghosts, and underwater exploration. So get your high fives warmed up and check out Five for Five Trivia, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.